Welcome to the latest United We Stand podcast. I'm Andy Mitten and I'm with Stuart Matheson. Stuart is the long-time Manchester United correspondent for the Manchester Evening News. I first saw Stuart on a tour in 1995 to Malaysia. I remember meeting him for the first time, sat on a sofa with Terry Cook in a hotel in Kuala Lumpur. Uh, Terry now lives in Denver. Terry was on this podcast um, last year. And before I forget, we've signed Keith Dewhurst up as a writer for United We Stand this year. Keith's 84. He used to be the Manchester United correspondent for the long-gone Manchester Chronicle. And he wrote a wonderful book called When You Pull On A Red Shirt. And after becoming a, a beat journalist, um, Keith moved on to become a playwright. And seven of his 20 plays premiered at the National Theatre. He's a wonderful writer, so he's going to talk about his Manchester United memories in United We Stand, where he had some fantastic access. So, Stuart, um, how does this tour compare? It's 20 years since I first saw you. I'd imagine you've noticed a lot of changes, both as, as a journalist and... I can remember that tour to Malaysia. United didn't even know who the second opponents were going to be when we flew out there. Yeah, I mean, it, to, to me, the, it's 20 years ago, and, you know, that may sound like a long time, but it's not that long. But it really does show, to me, the, uh, the growth of Manchester United as a, that horrible word, the brand, as a club, whatever you want to say. It, I mean, that was my first um, Manchester United tour. I actually flew out with this. I had my injections for Malaysia done by the club doctor at the old cliff training ground uh, I was on the trip with them I was officially with them you know uh, I flew with them out in first class I was sat you know sat in these massive huge seats uh, behind Don't you normally fly first class Stuart oh, you've you, you got to be kidding haven't you <laughs> and uh, I wish yeah, yeah but I mean you know see I've, I've never been in first class before it was unbelievable for me I sat behind Peter Schmeichel and Kiddo was there and Kiddo was complaining that I was snoring through the night on, on the flight and uh, and how many other journalists were on that trip well, I was coming to that Andy because there were no national journalists uh, on that trip I mean every national paper is here now as they have been for a few quite a few years now but I was literally the only written journalist uh, for a newspaper on that trip and uh, like I say, did everything with the club, stayed at the hotel, I was part of their party, I ate breakfast with them, you know, I was... Brilliant access. You're basically getting insight into the world, you're picking up bits yeah. all the time, which the players won't know are interesting, but you as a journalist will. Yeah, absolutely, and it, it, it was how I felt um, the local paper should be treated, and I felt part of it, and uh, because you were like that, you know, they got a favourable... <laughs> you know, got a favourable verdict kind of thing because, you know, if people treat you badly, sometimes you say, well, I'm, gonna be, I'm not going to be as kind to them. So I was travelling with them. I heard everything, saw everything that went on, things that maybe shouldn't have gone on. Breakfast, like I said, breakfast with David Beckett who was a young kid. That I don't think I knew him, to be honest. But if you're not reporting that, then you're trusted more, aren't you? Well, I can always remember, and I've said it to some of the lads on the, t- on the trip here this time, I remember landing in Manchester, walking down the steps of the aeroplane, and behind me was Pally. And he said, uh, shouted very loudly, right lads, now we'll know whether we can trust Stuart uh, because they were going to go back and see what, what had happened. And I'd, you know, I'd obviously done nothing untoward and I'm still a good mate of Pally's now. So got his mobile number and everything. So, you know, it, it was a, an unbelievable experience and I thought it was going to be like that forever. And uh, very cl- quickly wasn't, I'm afraid. Why do you think it changed? Do you think that was Sir, Sir Alex Ferguson? 
Well, funny enough, uh, Fergie wasn't on that Malaysia trip. He had some uh, an operation on his ears, grommet problems, so he couldn't fly. Um, so that was another thing about it. Kiddo was bril- always Kiddo was always brilliant with me. And, me too. Yeah, gave, gave loads of, of, of little lines to me. You know, it's, I mean, it's just little things like, um, for instance, one day uh, we played the night before. <coughs> excuse me. And Paul Parker had made his comeback after a, an injury, and you know. Paul comes over as a very bubbly character, and you know I've always, you know, he's been a great friend for many years. Uh, and you always thought of him as a confident guy. But Kiddo came over to me at breakfast once and said, uh, after this, after, his, after Parks' his, uh, comeback, and said, "Have you have you done anything on Parks' comeback? Have you written about it?" I said, "Yeah, yeah, I've been very favourable. I, I did all your quotes from the night before." He says, he "says Will you go over and tell him that?" So don't say I've told him. Um, but just sneak over at one point, just sit next to him, I'll chat, and then just drop that in that you did. And I did, and Paul was said, oh, really? Oh, that was kiddo saying that about me. And he thought it was really good. And his confidence was... And I just thought, this is how you should use the local man, uh, the local reporter, and, and it was fantastic. And I, I don't know, I just... I, I, don't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't blame Sir Alex Ferguson too much for it all, but he, doesn't, he didn't want anyone on the flights after that, really. It was just basically the growth of the club. Uh, it grew out of all proportion. It's a monster now, and um, you know they just don't want. They've got their own. Back then, they didn't have MUTV. They didn't have press officers. They didn't well, have magazines. I, I, I covered that trip for the United magazine, and I was just backpacking, so I wasn't even in the press well, box. They go. just asked me to write what it was like being a, a fan there. Yeah, exactly. Well, that, that's you know, it, it, yeah, I suppose in a, in a lot of ways, it, United now are. I suppose, I suppose you could say they are what they should be. They're a massive club. Oh, sorry, I should have said massive club. Should have. That's, another, that's the other side of the sound, isn't it? But, you know, they are enormous. And I suppose they have to be a little bit distant. But from a journalist's point of view, it's, it's not very good at all because you just don't really see those nice little tidbits. For instance, like, you know, we have to do a tour diary every single day. Now, it's great when you're with them. When you see in training, you get a little thing and you talk to people on the sidelines... Nothing untoward. We're not putting any, you know, uh, anything Some back page. Agents. You know, nothing like that. But you need that access. And um, this tour, I'm afraid, it's, it's not been that great for that sort of thing. You mentioned Paul Parker and, and Brian Kidd. And it's interesting because I've never spoke to you about either of them, but I know them both. And I remember writing about Paul Parker towards the end of his time at United and getting a phone call from him soon after just to say thanks for the article and that hadn't happened before it wasn't normal for a player yeah, to yeah. comment and then um, when he left he said yeah next time we'll come, I come to Manchester we'll meet up and go for lunch and that's what we did mm-hmm. and I stayed in touch with him and to this day you know we, yeah. he, um, he came out to Barcelona a couple of years ago and he brought his family with him and said, Andy, can you take my son to camp now? Because I refused to go there after that game in 1994. <laughs> it still Was burned. it there in 1994? It looked like yeah. he played. Yeah. No, well, I think that, that, that's <laughs> Sorry, the issue. <laughs> Sorry, Paul, but I think Stoichkoff and Romario gave him <laughs> yeah, yeah, nightmares. Yeah, yeah. And, then, and then Kiddo. I don't think he was great on the record, uh, but... Well, you know, when the cameras were on him, but yeah, yeah. he was brilliant. He's a brilliant Mancunian, he's a brilliant football wow. man, and I don't care that he, he works for City. He's a, he's a great man from a great family. But I once interviewed him at, um, at the cliff, and I had one of those laptops where the mouse was a little ball. Oh, yeah. and I remember yeah. him in like yeah, the late 90s. Yeah. And, you know, the interview was fine, and then I got a phone call a few days later from Lynn Laffin, the manager's secretary, 
saying, right, this might sound strange, but have you got a computer with a ball on the top? Because Kiddo wants one. He wants to take it to Juventus next week. He's got to watch him train. And he somehow thought that this computer, which was just a normal <laughs> PC, could, like, you know, spy on Marcello Lippi. <laughs> and I had to say yeah. to Brian, you know, yeah. he didn't know how to use a computer. He's, yeah, yeah. he's a kiddo from Crumps or Colliers, sorry. Um, well, I could, sorry, I could tell you a couple of stories about Kiddo, about how good he was uh, for the local paper, like you say, great Mancunian. Um, one of my first, it was, a, it was a Charity Shield game, Community Shield, whatever it was. I can't remember which year. One of my first, about 97, I think it was, actually. First couple of years I was there. And I was in the tunnel at Wembley after the game. And uh, in with a lot of crowd of people. And he, he just beckoned to me and said, uh, you know, intimated to go to the end of the way you're on your own. And I went over there and I said, what's well, all? He said, just want to tell you, I thought it might be a nice line for you. He said, um, the man, I said, I don't get a medal for any of this sort of thing. He said, but the manager has just given me his medal. Which I thought was a lovely gesture, you know, yeah. and uh, Kiddo could have not mentioned that. He didn't have to pull me out and tell me. But he thought it was a great line for the Manchester Evening News. Uh, and it was. Yeah. You know, got great feedback about it. Yeah. Um, if Twitter had been going in and Facebook would have been gone really well on it. And then the other time was when uh, um, Wes Brown made his debut, Champions League debut in Bromby in Denmark. And uh, after training the night before the game, nobody knew what the team was because uh, Fergie never gave it out. But anyway, Kiddo came across to me and said, Stuart, said, you might want to know that Wes Brown is Mancuna. That's what we are. You know, he said, uh, Wes is making his debut tomorrow. Night. I thought it might be a nice line for you. I said, oh, brilliant, thanks. And he got on the coach and I suddenly thought, I need a bit of background. I don't know where, I don't know, we used to like sort of what school he went to and all that kind of thing and I stood beckoning Kiddo to come off again I said can you find out which school he and he went back onto Wes and said and he got me his background and you know so that was 98 autumn of 98 yeah. two months later Kiddo was out the club well very very sad I think I think uh, you know I'd love to have seen him win the travel with him and then maybe go very very uh, horrible the way he left. I mean, from his perspective he, he, Blackburn Road was offered him the manager's job and I think his salary was six times what he was on at United yeah. so you get offered to be the manager of a club 20 minutes from your front door because there's no way he's leaving Manchester mm. once told me that he comes out in a rash when he goes south of Ancoats <laughs> but the, the Mancunian thing with Kiddo is all interesting I spoke to him a few years ago about possibly writing his, his autobiography with him and he said it, it, the thing that, that worried him wasn't money it was he said I just want to be able to walk down Deansgate with my head held high yeah. Once I've done this, and then he got another job, and it wasn't the right right time yeah, to do yeah. it. But well, I know, I know I know there are some United fans that didn't like the way he jumped ship to Blackburn, and I know that they don't like the fact he's connected with City now. Probably don't like seeing him celebrating on City's bench. Well, I don't like seeing him celebrating well, on City's bench. But, but but I didn't see those United fans complaining when Brian was out of work looking for a job in 2009. Yeah, I mean, he's such a or lovely... living in an hotel in Portsmouth by yeah, himself. Absolutely, and he's such a he's such a lovely guy and, and, and a great Mancunian. And that's that's what we're all about, Mancunians, isn't it? So you know, Kiddo will always be a great favourite of mine. How do you think Manchester United will do this season, Stuart? You've seen the far more than a lot of people you've been you've been close-ish to the, to the players and you've spoken to a lot of the players on this tour you've watched all the games you can make reference points to United comparing them with all the previous seasons going back over 20 years well uh, to be honest Andy I think it's going to be maybe a minor cup at the best you know League Cup or FA Cup I don't see them winning the title 
and I don't see them winning the Champions League. And if they get in a hard Champions League group, I'm not even sure they're going to get out of it. I think they're going to be probably marginally better than they were last season. I mean, you know, everyone's always said for how many years now, throw money at it, throw money at it. It doesn't always work. No, Di Maria Falcao. Well, exactly, you know, it's going to be nearly 250 million by the end of the, uh, August, you know, over the two years. And what, how far has it brought them on? Not that far, not, not as much as you would, you would think. So it's, it's not easy, it's not an easy job. Um, but, you know, when they played the first game here against Club America, and they were, again, they were passing sideways, short passing, a lot of possession, getting nowhere... And I'm thinking, that was how it was last year. Is this how it's going to be this year? Because to me, that doesn't really get you many. It doesn't get you many fans in terms of what United. Should, I mean, this what United should be. Yeah, uh, I don't know whether it's right or wrong, but I do think United fans want to watch adventurous football, and I don't think you're going to get it with Louis Van Gaal. Now, I like the guy. I think he's really good. I think he's a great coach as well. But I'm not so sure his style is Manchester United's style. Well, you know, is. I saw him when he was in charge of, of Barcelona in their test, their, their centenary year. When United played Barca and the, those fantastic free all yeah, draws, yeah, yeah, Van Gaal yeah. was the manager. I know. He, he had he had Rivaldo in his team. Yeah, but he got rid of Rivaldo. Don't forget. Uh, yeah, probably because he was South American. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. but they had Figo. Figo was probably the yeah. best wide man in, in Europe at, at the time. Yeah. And and Barca are an exceptionally good side. Maybe the fact that Manchester United qualified out of that group at the expense of Barca has probably stung him to be more defensive minded and we're paying a price for this all. Well, so I actually blame Cole and York for yeah, Manchester United yeah, currently yeah. passing the ball sideways yeah. I tell you what what a great what a great um, to me that was the Champions League season how a Champions League season should be excuse me in terms of um, fewer teams so you have Barcelona, Bayern Munich, Manchester United in a group. group. Whoa, what, what Poor Bronby. Hey, absolutely, yeah. But what a what a season that was. And, and what about think... the games? Those the yeah. two the two Barca games were just brilliant. Yeah. I sat next to Hugh McIlvenny in camp now, and he's seen you know games going back to the forties, and he was just purring, going wonderful, wonderful. Yeah. Like, it was just such a privilege to. Yeah. And when, and when you think what they went through there, Bayern Munich, Barcelona, uh, Inter Milan. Juve and Bayern again. Juve were a team. Yeah. Juve were the oh, best team in Europe. Absolutely, yeah. And you look at you know those six teams, five teams, whatever I've mentioned there. You know, they deserve to win the the trophy. And I, I remember writing, you know, it would have been it would have been a travesty if, if they hadn't. And uh, thank God they did. You know, because to go through what they did uh, and not win it would have been uh, criminal, in my view. And it was coming, wasn't it? It was getting closer and closer. I know it doesn't always work out, but. They'd been the semi-final against Borussia Dortmund in '97, unlucky yeah, yeah. against yeah. Monaco. But I think if you can go to Turin and beat the best team in Europe, three-two yeah. away, that's that's still the greatest United game I've ever seen in all the time. Yeah, and I'll probably go on about it a bit too much. I don't care. I've just never seen anything like two-nil down away in Turin and coming back surging back. Yeah. It's just, just incredible. Well, I just can't see the current team doing that. Yeah. I hope I'm completely wrong. Yeah, apart from that memory, a great game, but one of my memories of that was uh, uh, after the game and uh, 
Neville, Neville Neville's there and uh, Wolf McGuinness and they were, they were trying to get in. Ted Beckham was there. Everyone was on a massive high. It was a, it was a really humid night as well. And uh, Neville Neville goes to this, <laughs> this goes to this uh, place to get in to see the place. And uh, I'm Gary and Phil Neville's dad, and they let him through. And uh, Ted Beckham's I'm, I'm David Beckham's dad, and they let him through. And Wolf McGuinness stroked his ball down and said, "I'm Yap Stam's dad." <laughs> went through <laughs> you know a great game like that but that, that memory still sticks out for me but I mean you know uh, to me the biggest disappointment about all that United didn't for me didn't build on it in Europe yeah. they almost felt like we're European which is champions. what Roy Keane said that was you, well, yeah, yeah. criticism we, we, you know, it's just the fact that it's less than what May to September well, that, what is that four or five months later and so and I can remember it sticks in my mind Sir Alex Ferguson saying when they'd drawn with Croatia's Zagreb and everyone's saying, well, you know, why didn't you beat him? And he said, and he said well, everyone's done the homework on us. We can't play like we did. I'm thinking, I'm, you know, am I naive? And I know he's a great coach, great manager. I'm thinking, what, everyone in Europe has, has done the homework and, and learned how to nullify Manchester United. If United played like they did in the treble season with York and Cole and all that kind, no one could have, would have stopped them in the second. But they seem to be wanting to be the European champions and they changed the game a little bit. Uh, and, and I think it damaged them to, from that. So that was switching to the 4-5-1 with Van Nistelrooy buying Veron. I could see the logic in Veron. It just never quite worked out yeah, yeah. given some, some European games. And then United went out of Europe last season against Real Madrid. Wasn't, didn't Andy Cole miss a header in the Bernabeu? I think so. <laughs> so I can see a pattern developing here where Andy Cole is basically to blame for all of Manchester United ills. So we're going to get Andrew on a, on a, on a podcast. We're... We're glad that you're feeling a little bit better, Mr. Cole, because uh, I know you were due to come come on onto this um, onto this trip. But the current team, it just doesn't have that excitement, does it? And I'm not one for saying that everything was great in the past, because I find people who live in the past a bit a bit boring. Yeah, yeah. And there are plenty of reasons for, for for us to be excited about this United team. I'm, I'm pleased about the new signings, for yeah. example. And if it all fits into place, there were a couple of games last season, especially City at home and Tottenham at home maybe Liverpool away where it did look to have clicked and then it just faded badly didn't it towards the end yeah, without Carrick well there you go and, and he looks look like he could be the man that might miss out if, if eventually the pair Schweinsteiger and, and Schneidlin which you know it's not a bad holding, holding midfield um, but yeah it, 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 like you say it clicked occasionally last season but there were nowhere near enough no god no I mean you can count on one hand almost, can't you? So, yeah. you know, that, that is not good enough to get anywhere in, in, in the Premier League and, and, and in Europe this coming season. So, uh, those inconsistencies have got to change. And for me, I just think there's got to be a li- let them off the leash a little bit more. You know, you've got, you've got Depay, you know, speed and, you know, uh, people like him and, you know, Schweinsteiger can spray the ball around. Give them something to, to aim for and, you know, get, get them moving a bit faster. It's, it's too ponderous for me still. I'd love to see what five years down the line when Falcao does his autobiography or Angel de Maria does his or even some of the players who are here now, what they really thought of Van Gaal when he first came because it could go either way. You know, you, yeah. at the moment everyone's on a high, there's signings, there's optimism pre-season but if it doesn't start well... You can see them being a backlash quite soon with people saying, which they're already saying on the continent, you spent so much money and this team is nothing special at all. Yeah. 
Well, I think you're right, and it could it could soon very go go sort of go wrong. We hope I it mean, doesn't. But... Yeah, and I think to be a Van Gaal player is very very difficult. You know, I mean, Di Maria is not a, not a bad player. He's still a great man. He's could, a world-class and, player. And will be a great Without player. Without doubt. Yeah, absolutely. So, Real Madrid but, missed him against Juventus in the semi-final when they needed someone to run at yeah. their defenders and go past them. That's right. And, and to me, he's a Manchester United player of old in a lot of ways. Can you imagine him in the treble winning side? And, you know, the, um, the speed and, and what, what, everything that he brings to this team. But he's not a Van Gaal player. And, and sadly, you know, that's, that's where you, you're, you're either in with him or you've got to be shipped out. Now... I understand that. So why sign him? Van Gaal was manager. Well, everyone thinks they can uh, either change them, don't they? Or, you know, thinks they they will, you know, adapt. We've seen it with loads of managers down the years, even with Fergie buying great players and Veron, for instance, didn't fit in. So it's not unique to Louis Van Gaal, but I do think he's very, very, very specific in, in, in what he wants from a player. And if you don't give him... I was can't. told that he was the only player who was allowed to dribble. Other players were said, don't don't dribble with yeah. the ball in training. And at times, Di Maria, I mean, I think he made his debut at Burnley. That wasn't wasn't particularly great. But maybe the next away game was at Leicester and he yeah. scored a fantastic goal. Yeah. And he looked like a player. I can remember writing a piece in October, which seems ridiculous now, saying that he should be a serious contender for Ballon d'Or because he'd been man of the match in the European Cup final. He'd reached a World Cup final. And you know, if you wrote that piece now, you'd rightly be laughed at. He's, he's, his career really has gone downhill since since March, and I understand that you know yeah. he's not been happy. It's interesting to say that you know he's he's the uh, he's the only one that was told that he can dribble. He actually looked on the pitch like he'd been told not to, and that's his game, you know. And uh, he is a fantastic dribbler. He, he, all right. He, he, Maybe it's a little bit get your head down, and but to me that's what United need. That now, if if he if if he was played like Di Maria can play, then he would be you know that club record buy. You'd be thinking it was, it was, I won't say a bargain at that kind of price, but you say it's money well spent anyway. I think it's a damn shame to be honest. As we understand, United are still looking for a forward, not specifically a number nine, someone who could maybe play across the positions. Pedro has certainly been a player United have, have been interested in. Do you think United are still short, especially if Di Maria goes? Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, and and you know, the manager has gone on, on a lot about sort of saying that um, he needs two players for each position. Well, to me, he hasn't got that up front at all. I know the age of Fergie's pioneering for strong strike force is probably over. Um, I, I appreciate that, but and I've said it all along. I said it to go into a, a season with just Wayne Rooney up front. Um, it's not good. Although there could be up to 20 more games this season when United get to the European Cup final after going through <laughs> the playoffs. But no, seriously, there are likely to be. Let's expect United should be in the group stage of the Champions League. That's eight more games. Mm. Let's assume, or else a poor choice of, uh, of word to use, that United are not going to go out the League Cup at the first hurdle yeah. like last year yeah. Yeah. there's going to be more games this year so players are going to get there were times last year where there were no midweek games for, for months on end yeah and if you've got a big squad that's what you that's what you need you know because otherwise otherwise you've got 10 players there kicking their heels and Hernandez Lindegar picking his nose and, and that's a bizarre one isn't <laughs> it he's just yeah. sat on a contract and seen it out yeah well if you're on a Manchester United contract and yeah 
why not I suppose well a lot of them have done it Anderson did it as well yeah. and it's yeah. you know, I was told Van Persie was prepared to do it yeah. and, and it's very hard when you get a player who's earning so much money because even United squad players they're, they're priced well out of the range of and Aston Villa can just pick up Tom cleverly but Tom was the lowest paid player in yeah. the squad yeah, yeah, yeah. I know but you think to yourself where's that am- where, where is that ambition yeah I mean alright maybe do it for a year or two and if you pick up a year or two of Manchester United wages, you know, you can afford a little drop, you know. Um, I, I don't get it to me, I just... Uh, you should be playing football. Yeah, yeah. So it's, like, it's like us, isn't it? If we were told, no, you're not doing this match this week, you're not doing that match this week, you're only going to do a handful of matches, you wouldn't, I wouldn't stay at the Manchester Evening News, you know. If, if, if I was Anders Lindergaard, I'd do whatever my wife told me to do. Have you seen Mrs <laughs> Lindergaard? Yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. I'm not getting into that, my wife might listen to this. <laughs> Well, mine might listen to it as well, but I think she'd understand. If Miss, that was Anders Lindergaard and my wife said, right, I'm going to do a modelling shooting crew, then yeah. I would do my level best to break in the first team at Gresty Road or knowing Anders, stay in the second team, just just, just pick up uh, a contract. We're coming to, to the end now. Hopefully we'll join you again um, with the podcast further in the season, maybe at a European game. Yeah. Have you missed them? Because I certainly have, the away games especially. I did. Funny enough, and it's it's, sort of, it's a bit of a careful what you wish for situation. When it when it happened, I thought, oh, a bit more of a rest this season, and uh, soon into the season, you know, you've got so much space to fill in the, in the Manchester Evening News and on the website, and you think I've got nothing to write about here. What am I going to do? And uh, it really dragged last season. So yeah, I am looking forward to it coming back again. Thank you for your time and good luck at, at the paper this year. And you're on Twitter, aren't you, Stuart? What's your Twitter handle? It's uh, Stu Matheson. Uh, M-E-N I don't tweet that much but uh, not like the other lads but if you want to follow me occasionally you might get some good insights you might get some gems thank you Stuart my pleasure